The title of this message is Suddenly Enjoy It. Welcome to everybody. Thank you for being here. Thank you for the, the honor the honor and the privilege of uh, doing what I love, Let me, letting me do what I love, allow me to do what I love. I would do it with nobody, but it's better with me. <laughs> Daddy God, thank you so much for your presence. Lord, thank you that we are, we don't serve a good God, but we are children of a good God. We are sons and daughters of a magnificent, magnificent, gracious, beautiful, powerful, generous, kind God who will never leave us nor forsake us and will always guard us and guide us and keep us and help us and just for the, just for the sake of being with us because that's why you created us so that we could be together forever. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Uh, once again, um, last week... You remember I told you that uh, I was asked to re-preach uh, the one message, silent messages. So we did it twice, and of course we added something to the original one. And uh, the the CDs are available. The last two uh, the last two meetings are available tonight. Again, uh, I'm going to re-preach a message. But those of you who know me, you know that I don't read nothing. Uh, we, we're going to go different ways. We're going to go somewhere else. I've had an, I've had an incredible, uh, well, incredible. I really loved uh, uh, a little revelation that I had the other morning. So I'm going to share that with you tonight. But tonight we're going to talk about suddenly. Uh, as I have explained to you the first time, those of you who were there, uh, uh, I explained to you that God does not usually operate quickly. He operates suddenly. Now there's a huge difference. There's a huge difference between quickly and suddenly. And we're going to look at some of them. Quickly, it's my expected times. Suddenly, it's his unpredicted moments. So we, we, looked at, uh, we looked at John chapter 5, the, 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 the paralyzed man in the pool of Bethesda, and we saw that the man was there for 38 years. That's a long time in, in anybody's terms. Uh, 38 years lying down there because he didn't have a man. And you remember what I said to you, that uh, the name Bethesda, Beth, Beit, in the Hebrew, means the house of, and chesed means grace, favor, kind, loving kindness. Uh, it's a beautiful word in, um, uh, throughout the Old Testament, uh, translated loving kindness, but it's more in terms of favor and grace. So Bethesda, it's actually the house of grace, the house of favor. And why do I say that? Because nothing in the Bible is there by chance. God always drops words that will try and somehow open up a concept that is right there in your face, but you need the spirit of revelation to be able to appropriate it and to be able to make something out of it because it's just as long as you, if you just read the words, 
the, the, word God, the Bible is not God. All right? The Bible doesn't say in the beginning was the Bible and the Bible was with God and the Bible was God. It says in the beginning was the Word and the Word was Jesus because Jesus was with God in the beginning, right? So, so it is the spirit of revelation that uses the Bible. That's why it doesn't really matter what translation you have. Some, I get these Italians that ask me, what translation must I buy? Well, all you need is one, one verse. All you need is one word, Jesus, and you can go to heaven. You don't need the book. You need the God of the book. And if you remember, what I shared with you was the fact that the, the, the Old Testament, we make a mistake of, of, of looking at the Bible and splitting it in two and saying Old Testament and New Testament, all right? Old Covenant and New Covenant. As far as we're concerned, is there any Jewish person here? No. So, as far as we're concerned, we don't have an Old Covenant and a New Covenant. We only have the One Covenant. Which is not new because it's the only one. <laughs> it's the only one. We only have one covenant. God didn't make a covenant with us. He made a covenant with Israel. And, and what we do is we appropriate, we, 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 for some religious purpose that goes beyond my understanding, we try to put ourselves in everything in the Bible. God is busy talking to Jeremiah and telling him that he's going to throw him in a pit for the next whatever. And we know well, he's talking to me. Because I know the plans that, uh, that he has for me. Plans to, to give me. He's talking to Jeremiah. He's talking to another people. He's talking to another. P now, now, don't get me wrong. As long as it's a blessing, you can appropriate it. Because Paul in the book of Galatians says that Jesus was cursed on the cross, on the tree, so that we could receive the blessings of Abraham. So every single blessing that is part of the covenant that God cut with Abraham, not with Israel, that's another thing that you must understand, that our covenant is not based on the Old Testament. It's based on the covenant that God cut with, not with Abraham, with Jesus. Check in, check in Genesis chapter 12, 15, and 17, and you will see that the fire and the smoke, which it's an epiphany, in other words, an, an apparition, a manifestation of Jesus, both in the, in the desert when, when he appeared before the, the Red Sea and everything, it's always, it's always the Christ that appears as fire and smoke. You will see that Abraham cut the covenant with something that looked like fire and smoke and that passed through the pieces. Abraham was asleep. The covenant was not cut between God and Abraham. Abraham was asleep. And that's, that is the picture of grace. God doesn't need your participation. For God so loved that he gave. You didn't participate. You, you were asleep. We were asleep. We don't, we don't count. We got nothing. All that we have to do is we have to say, Yeah, wow, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, amen. Our covenant is a covenant of receiving, not a covenant of doing. That died, according to the book of Hebrews, when, <clears throat> when Jesus on the cross said, it is finished. A testament does not start unless the testator dies. It's only when the one who wrote the testament that dies, 
that the testament starts. So the life of Jesus was lived under the old covenant as a rabbi under the old covenant. And he said it over and over again. He said, I didn't come for you guys. I came for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. In fact, he told the apostles. He said, go, go and preach the gospel and don't go into the house of the Gentiles. Only go to the, to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So uh, <laughs> is it difficult to understand? But we appropriate everything. No, 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 no. Everything that Jesus said, he said it to us. So if our, if our hand causes us to sin, we must cut it off. You know, I've looked in every church, and I haven't seen anybody. <laughs> I haven't. So either the, either the Christians are a bunch of disobedient, or maybe Jesus was talking to somebody else. And yes, he was. He was talking to Israel, and like I told you, I don't know why I'm going there, but anyway, I'll, I'll pick it up just now. <clears throat> Jesus was talking to Israel and was making the covenant so hard so that they could understand they needed a savior. Everything he made, it is said that you're an adulterer if you go to bed with a woman that's not your wife. But I'll say to you, all you have to do is look at her and you've already broken the, the, the commandment. It is said that to be, an, to be a, a, a murderer, you need to kill somebody. But I say to you, all you have to do is call him a raka. And you've already broken the, the commandment. And over and over and over and over and over and over and over, he tries to tell Israel, you can't do it. That's why I came. I'm Messiah. I came to give you a way of salvation. Stop following Moses. Say, but wait a minute, didn't, didn't God give the Ten Commandments to, 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 to humanity? No, he didn't. He gave them to Israel. And he gave them to Israel because Israel said, whatever you say to us, we will do. And the moment they said that, bang, 3,000 people died. Instantly. At the foot of Mount Sinai. And just, just by coincidence, the moment the Holy Spirit came, 3,000 people gave their heart to the Lord and were saved. So anyway, so I don't know where, ah, Bethesda. Okay, so, uh, so Jesus, we're talking about the fact that uh, quickly the guy would not have been sitting there for 38 years. Because from the beginning of his sickness, of his illness, he wanted to be healed. Right? And so Jesus shows up 38 years later. And he... Those of you who have been to, 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 to Jerusalem, you know that the Pool of Bethesda is down, down there. And you come up at the top and you look down in this huge, big pool hole in the ground. And again, the Bible says that there were five um, thing, uh, five uh, um, arches, five arches. Five is the number of grace. So once again, God speaks grace. It's a place where grace is going to take place. And what's going to happen? What happened? What happened is that Jesus shows up. And don't ask me why. He steps over multitudes of people to get to someone who doesn't deserve being healed. According to the religious way of seeing things 
What, what, when do you deserve being healed? When you believe, right? When you, when you pray, when you repent, when you confess, and it helps if you give your tithes <laughs> and offering. It, and if you really want to be healed, then you, you also throw in some alms and stuff like that. He doesn't do any of that. He sits there. Jesus shows up quickly. And he says, uh, uh, he asks him a question that is being asked every human being on earth since time began. He asks him, do you want to be well? Do you want to be made well? Do you want to change your state? Do you want me to intervene in your life and change your state of paralyzed, sick, miserable, stinking in your own mess, totally useless human being? Do you want me to do that? And if he had gone to some of the churches I know, he would have put up his hand and say. Yes, I believe, in the name of Jesus, in, in your name. Hallelujah! Heal me, Jesus. Hallelujah, I believe, I believe, I believe. No, no, you know what he says? He says, no, sorry, you, you don't understand. Obviously, you're not from this, from this area. Uh, you see, what happens here is that we, we lie here, okay? And then every now and then, there's an angel that comes down. And nothing much has changed because we're still singing and praying, Holy Spirit, come down. <laughs> okay, okay. <clears throat> anyway. Uh, last time I checked, he's come already, right? So as long as you put your hands up and you say, Holy Spirit, comes down, it, be- it means that you don't, you're not believing that the Holy Spirit is inside of you. Because he ain't up there anymore. Jesus said, I go up, then I can send him. So if he's not there, he's here. And he's not walking around the streets of Amanos. He's inside the heart of the believers. So it's, what's the use of Holy Spirit to come down? But anyway, so, uh, so he says, uh, uh, you see, you're not from this area. We wait for this angel to come. And then when he comes, he stirs up the water. And when he stirs up the water, it's, it's a signal. The first one that jumps in the water, bang, is healed. And I can imagine Jesus going, that's complicated. Tell me, how are you going to do that? Is that why for 38 years you're still sick? Because you've been planning on your ability to get healed from an angel? Because you've been waiting for some kind of supernatural manifestation? And Jesus is standing right there. And he lets him talk. And he lets him talk nonsense. <laughs> he says to him, he says, and you see, <clears throat> you don't look strong enough to carry me in the water. So just thank you for, appreciate the thought, but no, thank you. That is the opposite of faith. He did everything that he wasn't supposed to do, he did it. And yet look at Jesus. He says, pick up your bed and go home. Now a little parenthesis that I didn't share with you last time. Have you ever asked yourself why he told him to pick up his bed and go home? No, but why? I mean, why? I mean, you can. That was the bed of a paralyzed person, and, and it wasn't. A, it wasn't a bed anyway. It was a mat 
straw mat. It wasn't, but you know what I think, Peter? I think, go and preach a silent message with your bed. 38, well, can you imagine what that thing smelled like? I mean, it must have been inhabited. <laughs> I, think, I think, well, two things. First of, all, first of all, because I know my Jesus, I know he's cheeky. Jesus is so cheeky. When does he do the healing? On the Sabbath. What was the one commandment that Israel put right up in front there, and still today? Sabbath. No work. When did Jesus do all his healings? On the Sabbath. So you know what he did? He said, just, just go show the Pharisees that you're carrying something on the Sabbath. So that they can come here and, and we can have a nice conversation. <laughs> but I also think that he, he like we, sh- we shared last week about the silent messages, I don't have to preach if I was paralyzed for 38 years and all of a sudden I show up with my bed under my arm. Do I have to preach? Do I have to tell you, you know, that Mark 16, 15 says, no, all you have to do is say, hello, you. <laughs> Guess what? So I think he did that. But uh, so the man uh, gets up and, and, and then he commits another basic mistake. Because he says he doesn't know who healed him. So he's confessing before God, I don't know the man. Now, religion, or what I call religionism, will tell you, you're going to go to hell. Because you're not acknowledging God before men, so therefore I will not acknowledge you before the Father in heaven. That's, what, that's how religion thinks. But Jesus, thank God, he doesn't, I mean, thank him. He doesn't think like that. And he says, uh, he, doesn't, he doesn't take back the healing. Okay, you, that's it. <laughs> Paralyzed again. No, the guy is, is it's like salvation. God will not take his salvation back. Because it's eternal life. And last time I checked, eternity doesn't end. So, so this guy is, um, is healed, and the Pharisees accuse him. Instead of celebrating with him, they accuse him. And a long story, anyway, we haven't got time. But the fact is that quickly would have been, during the 38 years... Jesus or some kind of a prophet or some kind of somebody would have gone there and healed the guy. Suddenly is when the guy doesn't, doesn't expect it, doesn't, doesn't even dream about it. I mean, he must have given up long ago. He must have thrown in the towel. He must say, I don't have a man. And even if I have a man, by the time the water stirs and somebody comes pick me up, I mean, he's paralyzed. Come on. I mean, a blind man will have a better chance. Okay, he can't see the water being stirred, but maybe he can hear it. <laughs> or you can hear the say, go to the angels and just you know jump in the water. So and if he's the second, then of course he would drown because. But uh, but the fact is that the difference between quickly and suddenly is that you expect God to act quickly, but He acts suddenly. 
Second example. Second example is uh, uh, in John 11, the story of Martha and Lazarus. And uh, the difference between quickly and suddenly is that quickly, when, when you expect God to act quickly and he doesn't, desperation hits you. But when you think suddenly, you are, you are baptized into undying hope. Because the time is not over until the, the lady sings. No, the time is not over until it's over. And suddenly can happen any time. So now, what's the story? The story is very... We, we, we know it. We know the story of Lazarus. Lazarus dies. Uh, Martha sends a messenger to Jesus. He says, the one you love, not the one who's very good and loves you and pays the tithe and, and repents and confesses and, uh, and, 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 and starves himself to death and da-da-da-da-da. No, no, no. He says, no, the one that you love is sick. Because your faith does not move the hand of God. The love of God moves the hand of God. All that your faith does is receives what God has already done on Calvary 2,000 years ago. Okay? So, uh, what happens is that Jesus uh, immediately says, Okay, Peter, charge up the mule. Let's go. No, he doesn't. He says, Okay, let's let him die. Which is not what... Mary and Martha wanted to hear, but there you have it. Jesus waits, and he waits for three days. So he shows up on the fourth day, and Lazarus, Lazarus, like King James puts it, he stinketh. The, uh, the, he is in a decomposing, decomposing state. The body is gone in that heat. I mean, you're talking maggots. You talk, okay, I'm not going to go there. So, you, you're talking bad stuff. And Jesus shows up and he says, okay, I'm here for the resurrection. You see, because Martha and Mary had in mind a healing. Jesus had in mind a resurrection. You see, he needed a story. I know, I know Jesus needed the story of Lazarus in the Bible. So he said, sorry, Laz, <laughs> you're going to have to kick the bucket because I need the story. Give me another reason. Give me another reason why he waited. So that he can show his muscles? I don't think so. Okay. The story has brought glory to God for 2,000 years. And that's why he waited. Because the glory goes to the Lord. So, uh, Jesus finally arrives. Martha goes to him. Mary stays back home. She's upset. Martha goes to him, uh, and, and uh, he, says to, he says to Jesus, Master, if you had come sooner, my brother would not have died. And then she pronounced the suddenly words. Because she says, but even now. See, when, when, when the person that's supposed to be well, okay, I'm not going into the description, but is four days in a tomb, 
in the Middle East, 50 plus degrees heat, it's not going to look that good. Okay? And she says, because I don't believe that you act quickly, but I believe that you act suddenly. Even now, I know, whatever you ask the Father, he'll give it to you. Now that's faith. That's faith with a capital F. Martha puts everybody to shame. Because faced by the reality of total defeat, she doesn't go into depression. Oh, he didn't come, he didn't love me. Oh, he abandoned me, oh, you see. Now if he didn't come, you have a brother. Oh, what was that? I know that you don't care. I know that you don't No, she does. You know, it would have been nice if you came when I asked you to. But even now. See, quickly goes into depression if it doesn't happen. Suddenly, it's got an undying hope that you cannot kill. Because you trust your father. <clears throat> Next one. Luke chapter 15. The story of the prodigal son. <clears throat> you remember the story. The prodigal son, uh, basically, there's so much to share. I've, I've had so much revelation around that. But anyway, uh, the prodigal son doesn't want to wait for the death of his father to collect his inheritance. And so, no, I'm not going to say it. Okay, so, <laughs> and so he, he demands his, his inheritance before the father dies. And then he takes, he takes the money and he runs and he goes, and we know the story, he goes to a far country and he joins himself to a citizen of that country. There's a famine, there's this, there's that, there's the other. He, 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 he eventually uh, ends up uh, skeleton-like. He, he doesn't eat. He can't even uh, steal the, the, the pods, the, 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 the stuff of the, of the pigs. And, uh, and suddenly, the Bible says he comes to his senses. And religion takes that phrase and says, you see, he repented. No, he didn't. And I'll show you why he didn't. Because he said, he comes to his senses and he said to himself, in my father's house, even the servants have something to eat. I believe I will go back to my father and I will say, father, forgive me. For I have sinned against heaven. Wow, now that's, 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 wow. I mean, that's, that's spiritual, okay? That, that's seriously spiritual. I've sinned against heaven, and I've sinned against you. Make me like one of your servants, so that I can eat. Because I'm not coming back because I hurt you. I'm not coming back because I love you. I'm not coming back because this is my home. No, I'm coming back because I'm hungry. I'm dying. I'm coming back because in my father's house. So he prepares the, 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 the speech. He prepares his speech where he says, I've sinned against heaven. Ha, hallelujah. And I've sinned against you. And uh, uh, please make me like one. <clears throat> and he comes home. The father sees him. We all know the story. The father sees him. He runs to him. There's, we don't have time to share, but there's so much in that, uh, so pregnant with, with revelation. He runs to him, and he starts 
the son starts his repentance speech. And the father, instead of going, okay, let's hear it. Come on, go ahead. I'm sorry, Dad. Yeah, and? I'm really sorry, Dad. Okay, let's go. I'm really, really sorry, Dad. Mm, okay. No, he hugs him and he says, shut up, I don't need you. I don't need your repentance. I love you without your repentance. Now, if you repent, it's nice for you. But the Father doesn't need your repentance. Your sins have been forgiven on the strength of the blood of Christ, not on the strength of your repentance. The wages of sin is repentance. Max, what No. The wages of sin is death. So either you die, or somebody else dies. In the Old Testament, an animal died. And your sins were covered for one year. In the New Testament, or in the one covenant that we have, Christ died once and for all, for all your sins. And he paid the price forever. Yeah, but does that mean that I, I can sin and, uh, and not repent? That's up to you. If you're born again, you're a child of God, whether you repent or you don't repent. You're not a child of God but on the strength of your repentance. You're a child of God on the strength that you've accepted the substitutionary sacrifice of Christ. You're called on the name of the Lord and you shall be saved. Not you will repent and you shall be saved. You call on the name of the Lord and you shall be saved. Whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Whosoever believes in him, not whosoever repents to him, not whosoever confesses to him, not whosoever believes in him. So your salvation is linked to your act of release of your life into the hands of a God you don't see, you don't smell, you don't touch, you don't taste, you don't hear. That's called faith. Whosoever calls on the name of the Lord. When you've come to the end of your everything and you say, here I am. There's nothing else I can do. I've tried everything. Trust me, I've been there. I shared with you that I was a few hours away from suicide. Trust me, I've been there. In my bathroom, I looked at myself in the mirror and I cried. And I said, I don't even know why I'm talking to you. I don't even know if you exist. I feel like an idiot talking to, me, to myself in the mirror. But you know what? If you're there, help me. Did I confess? No. Did I repent? No. Did I, did I tell him about I'm sorry about my sins? No. I just cried out on the name of the Lord. And boy, did it work. 36 years later. Ta-da! All right. So, uh, quickly, quickly would have been, now, seeing that the Father represents God the Father, okay, we can't really go to Him for this illustration. But let's go to the mother. The last time I checked, if you have a prodigal son, you have a prodigal father and a prodigal mother. Okay? So, assume it's your boy missing. You'd be on your face day in and day out because you know what's going on. Somewhere, I mean, there's no WhatsApp, there's no Facebook, but you know that boy is messing up something serious. 
and you're on your face, praying and everything. So quickly would have been, he went, God heard the prayers of the mother, God slapped the, the citizen of the other country, <laughs> killed the pigs, turned him around, gave him a kick in a, in a, in a blessed assurance, and sent him back home. But guess what? He would have come home, and two weeks later would have turned around and gone back. Because you know something? Sometimes our love that covers and protects and who and then how and who and how works against the hand of God. Sometimes we need to let God be God. And I'm not saying don't do the possible and don't. What I'm saying is love to the utmost. Be kind, encourage, discipline, do everything you can. But when you've done everything, relax. Let God be God. And if He's still out there after you've done all the praying, maybe He needs to be out there until He comes to His senses. Not until you tell him, come home, son, I'll buy you a new BMW. You see, so quickly would entail the work of man. Suddenly entails the timing of God. He wasn't ready. The prodigal son had to be cooked nicely so that when he comes home, he stays home. Okay, and we're going to get to my revelation soon, I hope. <clears throat> But I'm enjoying myself. You must forgive me. To, me. to me, this is life. Matthew 28. Matthew 20, the, 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 parab- the parable of the workers in the vineyard. Again, five groups, the number of grace. Five groups of uh, uh, laborers. The, the, the owner of the vineyard needed someone to work in, the, in his vineyard. So he goes early in the morning, 6 o'clock, beginning of the day, to the market. And he gets a, 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 a group of people. And he says, I'm going to pay you one denarius for a day's wage. I'm going to pay one. In other words, he makes a contract. You come and work for me, I give you one denarius. Right? That's called a contract. But the other four guys, he doesn't say that. He says, come and work for me, and I'll give you what's right. Now, the other four groups didn't know what they were going to get. Especially the last one, who got hired... At the last hour. It's now 5 o'clock in the afternoon. And uh, uh, at 6 o'clock, they must stop working. So by the time they get to the vineyard, by the time they get their tools, by the time the, the uh, manager of the vineyard, the, 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 whatever his name is, uh, the guy that runs the vineyard, uh, tells them what to do. And, uh, most probably these guys work for a half an hour. So while they're working for half an hour, you can imagine, I mean, you know, you're working there and say, when do you start working? I said, hey, I started working six o'clock this morning. How much are you getting? I'm getting one denarius. If he's working the whole day, 12 hours for one denarius, I've started half an hour ago, what am I going to get? 10 cents for five cents. Oh, well, anyway, whatever, you know. Uh, Let's, let's carry on, let's carry on, snip, snip, snip. Most probably, if I can see with the eyes of my imagination, I can imagine someone who said, you know what, whether I work or not, I'm still going to get nothing anyway, so I'm just as well wait. 
and let, let everybody else work. So anyway, comes the time of paying the wages. And the owner brackets, Jesus brackets the story with two beautiful verses. The end of chapter 19 and the end of the story in chapter 20 in Matthew. For the last, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. Bracketed the story in this thing. In other words, what, what is he saying? He's saying, your effort is not going to cause me to pay you more or less. I'll pay you according to my promise. If you want to be paid according to your participation, then you're part of the contract. Then you're part of the Israel crowd that says, we will keep the Ten Commandments and you will bless us. And I'll tell you something, the same crowd of Christians is today. Still today, we go to God and we say, I'll do this so that you can do that. And we tell God that we worked the whole day. And now there comes Mario. He doesn't even, whatever. <clears throat> he doesn't even do this and he doesn't do that. And look how blessed he, how blessed he is. Yeah, because you see, I'm not blessed according to my performance. I'm blessed according to my dad's performance. And he doesn't fail. And he promised, I'll never leave you, nor forsake you. He doesn't say, I will never leave you, nor forsake you, as long as you deserve it. No. Now, does that make me not wanting to deserve his love? Of course you know better than that. The more you realize his love, and the more you want to love him back. If there's one thing that will keep you from sinning, is grace. The law will cause you to sin. If I tell you not to do something, that's the time when you're going to do it. Want to, you want me to give you an example? You ready? Okay, don't think of a pink elephant. What did you just do? I told you not to do it. I told you not to do it. You rebellious crowd, you, you're worse than Israel, man. So you see, and the law of the law works exactly the same. That's what Paul says in the book of Romans. Anyway, let me just carry on, please. Otherwise, you need to listen a little bit more quickly. Quickly. Uh, okay. And um, so, quickly is uh, according to this parable of the... Ah, of the, of the, oh, yeah, I want to finish. Because what happened is that at the end, they get the denarius. And can you imagine the joy? Can you imagine the joy in heaven over one denarius? undeserved, unmerited, I didn't work for it, I, was, I thought I was going to get five cents, and all of a sudden the goodness of God gives me one denarius, I don't deserve that, and the, and the owner of the vineyard says, I know you don't deserve it, but I can do what I want with my money, can't I? Now the other group comes along and they, they complain, and they say, wait a minute, these guys... These guys, they lazed about the whole day and then they show up half an hour before, before China and they get, and they get the, same pay, the same pay as we do. How's that? That's not right. And he says, he pronounces the most ooh, horrible words that you can hear in your life. Take what is due to you and go your way. And religion today, nine churches out of ten will tell you 
Take what is yours. Deserve the blessing. Pray more. Believe more. Uh, fast more. Give more. Uh, do everything more. And I'm not saying don't do it. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's good. Believing is great. Giving is great. Fasting is great. Well, anyway, but uh, uh, all these, all these practices are beautiful and magnificent. But don't come and tell me that I have to do them. Otherwise, God, I can sit down and never read another word in the Bible, and God still loves me. Will I become? Less because I don't feed my spirit with the word of God? Of course I will. Will I mess up my life because I don't have a guide, a guiding light? Yes, probably I will. But if I'm a son, I'm a son. God doesn't need me to read a book. Amen. So, quickly I expected. Suddenly, it's a surprise. (laughs) Okay, now... John chapter 18, Barabbas. This, we close with this and then I give you my revelation and I'll let you go home. I'm doing well, I'm doing, come on, I'm doing well. Uh, it's quarter to eight and I'm almost finished. Uh, Barabbas, John chapter 18. We know the story. Now, I always believe that somewhere along the line, Barabbas must have prayed. I think he must have asked God, because, hey, the same God that we worship now, he hasn't changed. He just manifested himself through the person of Jesus Christ, but he's the same Jehovah that's always been. Malachi 6, Malachi 6, 10, I am God, I change not. Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. God doesn't change, okay? So he needed someone to be able to absorb the curse of the law, because the, God cannot change the curse of the law. God cannot change. If you do this, you will be blessed. But if you don't do this, you will be cursed. Deuteronomy chapter 28. 15 verses of blessings. 54, blessings of cur- 54 verses of curses. But you go in any church today, and they will read the first 15 verses, and then they stop. Hmm. Because the 15 verses say, you, I'll bless you in the city and I'll bless you in the field. I'll bless you coming in and I'll bless you going out. You will be the head and not the tail. You will be above and not beneath. Verse 16. But if you don't do what I told you to do, your hair will fall off. Your nails will groan. Your teeth will drop. Your cheeks will go look like a cocker spaniel. You, 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 okay, never mind. You got, you got the idea. You will die. He says, every single sickness that I put on the Egyptians, I'll put on you. Now, isn't that nice? Why don't you read that part? I don't read that part because it doesn't, it wasn't, he wasn't talking to me. I was talking to Israel. <laughs> and uh, I don't know why I said that. Why did I say that? Anybody can anybody help me? Otherwise, I'm uh, uh, okay. So anyway, uh, what was I talking about? I was talking about Barabbas. Yeah, okay. So Barabbas, his name, in fact, in the in the NIV, uh, his name is Jesus Barabbas. 
Now, the name Barabbas means Bar-Abba, son of the father. So Jesus Barabbas, you have a Jesus Barabbas here, and you have another Jesus Barabbas here, because Jesus was also son of the father. So now you get two, and you can imagine this one. Now, I don't know if he prayed or not. I just know, I just know that uh, uh, he, he shows up out of nowhere, and, 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 and again, this is a story most probably concocted for the purpose of, of God having wanting to tell us a story. Because there's no such law in history that Rome would release one of the prisoners on a special day as a, as a, as a favor to the Jews. It just, it's like, like the Pope is a Buddhist. It just doesn't apply, okay? It's just not on. So I really believe that this story is one of the many parables and stories that Jesus brings, like the, the unjust judge, like the, 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 all these stories that he takes and he uses them to give us a principle. But again, we take him and we put ourselves into the story. He's talking to me. No, he's not talking to you. It's a story. He's just telling you, draw the principle out of it and enjoy your life and smile and rejoice with the blessing. So, Barabbas was in, a, was in a cell waiting to be executed. And maybe, maybe tried to break out, maybe he had some buddies outside, maybe there was some, some kind of plans and maybe he was trying to, to bring to pass. But quickly it didn't happen. Quickly it didn't happen for Barabbas. And I don't know what your prison is. Maybe your prison is something else. Maybe it's not bricks and bars and mortar. Maybe it's unforgiveness. Maybe it's bitterness. Maybe it's loneliness. I don't know what your prison is. But he waited and quickly didn't come. But suddenly, one day, and I got to do this. He heard the footsteps of the Roman soldier coming down the hall. And he heard the clinging of the shield and the, and the, and the, and the sword and the, and the spear. And he knew the time had come to say, bye-bye, mama, and die. So he hears the door opening. And here comes... Brutus Conceptus. <laughs> boom, boom, boom. And he looks in the dark. And Barabbas is going... <laughs> and he says, Barabbas, come out. Barabbas follows him. He goes to the seat of power of the most powerful man in the land. His name is Pontius the Pilate. He's got a private aircraft. <laughs> and uh, I don't know why. I'm sorry. Forgive me. But, but anyway, he gets there and, uh, and he, sees this, he sees this other character who's bleeding. He's got, a, he's, got a, he's got a crown of thorn on his head stuck into his skull and blood comes out. And his face is macerated. It's, it, it's, he's, he's beaten with blows that 
the Bible in the book of Isaiah says he didn't even look like a man anymore. His beard has been plucked out and he's sitting there just dripping blood on the floor. And Barabbas comes and looks at him and suddenly understands the meaning of the word suddenly. Because Pontius Pilate turns around to him and he says, you're free, you can go. There's one man who paid your price and opened the door to your prison so that you can escape if you just believe it. So, so quickly in the story is justice. Suddenly, it's grace. See, justice would have killed Barabbas. But grace intervened. I wrote something the other day on Facebook. And it was like this. Sin began to burn in my life. The law blew on the flames and revived the fire. But then grace came. And it started to rain. See, suddenly, suddenly the fire is out. Suddenly the door is open. Suddenly, the story is told in Acts chapter 16 of Paul and Silas. They are, they've just come out of Ephesus, they're going to Philippi. And as they there with Timothy, uh, they, um, they encounter this uh, slave girl who is uh, possessed by a, by a spirit, by a demon. And she tells the fortune of the people and makes a lot of money for her, her masters. And she begins to follow Paul and Silas and, and says, uh, these men tell the true way of God. Have you ever had someone telling the truth but with the wrong spirit? And there's nothing worse than being hit by the truth when it's spoken with the wrong spirit. So she, tell, she told the truth, and Paul turned around, and after a long time, after many days, Paul turns around and basically he casts the demon out, and she stops uh, prophesying, as it were. And the masters, the, the, her owners, get so upset at the lost revenue that they take Paul, Paul, Paul and Silas, and they get them, they put them in jail. They put them in jail, and in those days, jail was not what you might concoct in your head by the name, by the word prison or jail. There was no floor, there was no door, there was no ceiling, there was no light, there was no heating, there was no nothing. A jail was a hole in the rock closed by a rock or bars or something that would keep you away. And it was a, the more people the jail had to accommodate and the longer and more intricate 
the, 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 the tunnels and the, and, the, and the caves would be. So the Bible says that Paul and Silas were in the deep of the, of the jail. So we're right in the, and they were in stocks. In other words, they were locked to the ground. Now I want you to imagine this. In those places there are rats the size of Chihuahua. Okay? That look at you in the middle of the night and say, just fall asleep. And you can say goodbye to your nose, your ears, your fingers, your toes. Those were not very pleasant moments. But Paul and Silas at midnight. Now this, is, this was my revelation. Think about midnight. What happens at midnight? Midnight is the end of the day. And then, suddenly, it's a new day. Midnight is the end of the day. And then suddenly, one split second later, boom, it's the beginning of a new day. So what was the end turns into the beginning. And now, what do they do? They sing hymns. Now, I checked on the word hymn because, in fact, the other Sunday, while I was, I got, somebody mentioned the word hymn. And, and it reminded me of the story of Paul and Silas. So I went to check. And the word hymn, the, the root word for hymn, which is in the Greek, is hymn now, to sing hymn. There isn't a word for hymn. There's, there's, there's a word for hymning. In other words, singing hymns. Hymn now. The root word for that is celebrate. Celebration. When you sing hymns, you celebrate. Now, at midnight, they were celebrating. Now, my question is this. How did they know the words? There was no screen. They didn't have a hymnal, even if they did, it was dark. You can't read in the dark. There's a lot of things you can't do in the dark. It's very hard to hope in the dark. It's very hard to be strong in the dark. Very hard to be courageous in the dark. It's dark, it's midnight. But they were singing hymns, they were celebrating. And I asked myself, how did they do that? How, how did they sing hymns without light? They had them memorized. They had them inside their heart. They were celebrating the God. They never let them down up to now. And let me tell you something. If you don't get anything out of, out of tonight, take this home. Paul couldn't turn around to Silas and say, Silas, do me, do me a favor, just open up the Bible, just check what happens in Acts, in Acts 16. Do we get out of this thing alive? <laughs> hmm. 
See, we read like, ah, big deal. <laughs> they say to him, yeah, well, of course, I would have done the same thing. No, because you're there, and it's dark, and the rats are looking at you, and Silas is crying. No, Silas is not crying. But, uh, uh, and the other, the other prisoners are crying, and it's cold, and it's damp, and it's lonely, and it's sad, and you've tried everything that you could, and the thing doesn't work, and you've heard, the, and you've heard from your husband, and you've heard from your wife, and you've heard from your children, and you've heard from your doctor, and you heard from your banker and all of a sudden you're standing there and you're going oh it's midnight but suddenly it's one second after midnight and if you have memorized the goodness of God you can sing and wait for that one second after midnight if you have memorized this faithfulness, you know it's not going to leave you. It's not going to forsake you. Now, I don't know what midnight you're going through, if you're going through. But I want to encourage you. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. All I have needed, your hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning your mercies I see. All that I need, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord unto May the Lord bless you and keep you. May you be so aware of the ticking of the clock. That doesn't mean the, end is, the day is coming to an end. But it means that the beginning is getting closer and closer. When suddenly it will be tomorrow. And the sun will rise. His faithfulness will never fail you. Amen. Oh, Alleluia, Shuma, Elai Vangelio.